in your house, God's light works like a dimmer switch. It slowly dawns. You may have a dimmer switch in your house where you go and you can lower it very slowly and kind of precisely pick how bright it is. Or maybe it's the kind where you twist it. Sometimes there's like a little slider thing and sometimes it's a little knob that you twist. I don't know if this will work. I'll try it real quick. There's actually a dimmer on my laptop, so we'll see if it works. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually gonna see, you'll see any different, but you can. It doesn't change, does it? It must just change on the actual screen. See, on my screen, you can see it. It does, for some reason, it doesn't show it through the. Anyway, so on the, on the screen, you can make it brighter or you can make it dimmer. See, I'll show you this, look. It's dark, right? I was hoping it would do that through that. That's weird how it doesn't do that. And now it brightens up, right? We understand, dimmer switches, right? We know when we, uh, when we grab our cell phone, right? And it's really dark, the room is dark, and you turn it on, if the automatic dimmer, it's like, <laughs> Turn it down, turn it down. Right? It's blinding. Well, here's the question. How does God show us truth in our life? The Bible says the, the steps of a good man or a good person, right? Oftentimes in, in, the, in the Bible, it uses the word man as in mankind, not just male, right? We understand that. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So God shows us truth, but it's not something where we all of a sudden now, it's just like, it's overwhelming. It blinds us and it knocks us over. You see, God is in his very nature. He's kind and he's gracious. And when, when we need truth, if we're willing to look into the truth, he brings it to our understanding and we start to get it slowly. Slowly it, the light begins to come on. And we can see this from our verse. So if we look at our verse once again, and verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. I'm going to try to look at my notes really quick. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Once again, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Okay. So it's describing the Bible is a sure word of prophecy. We've been over that. We're not going to belabor that point. Okay. So it's sure. That's the nature of it. It's absolutely sure. But it's not, God doesn't, he, he doesn't help us come to understanding like a spotlight where it's just dunk, right? Dunk, oh, right? It would, it would, we would look, if God would reveal everything about himself and we would be able to understand everything, understand everything about us, about our, our current position, spiritual condition, and we would be able to understand everything about the world and everything about God. If we were able to understand everything about the Bible, 
it would, it would absolutely overwhelm us, right? And so he's teaching here in 2 Peter, he's teaching, he's saying, it is a sure word of prophecy. And then he says, and this is how you come to the knowledge of that God's word is sure, and then it can be trusted. This is how you, this is your relationship with God's word. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. So he's saying, you really need to pay attention to it. So we need to have that attitude. We don't have the light of understanding or the light of truth or the light of guidance. We don't understand God. We don't know what to do next. And we'll get into this here just a little bit more. When we don't take the time to take heed. When we don't habitually come to church. When we don't habitually look into his word. When we don't habitually give it the proper place in our life. If we want God's word to make sense. If we want the Christian life to make sense. We need to take heed. We need to pay attention. Right? We need to pay attention. I've uh, been riding the GO train uh, a little bit. My man works on the GO trains. He's a part of the, he's part of the amazing, I love the GO train. It's awesome. By comparison to the subway, not quite as awesome. Amen. Everybody said amen. And uh, on the GO train, they have this yellow strip that you're not supposed to touch. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. On the GO train, a couple of us, good. On, on, on the buses, right? On the buses, they've got the little yellow cord. And when, and when you need to get off, it's your next stop. You just grab, ding, right? And uh, you try to grab it with your elbow so you don't actually have to use your hands. Some people try to get really creative. They try to, you know, one, one of these things. One of the, and their sleeves aren't long enough, right? They're trying not to touch the little yellow cord with their bare skin, right? And some people, man, they suit up like they're going into a biohazard unit. They've got the mask and the, and, the, and the shield and the blue gloves and the green gloves and, and tape, right? And the booties on their shoe. I mean, they're, they're ready. They're ready for transit. But the point is, when you need to stop and get off, you pull the little cord, ding, ding. Well, on the GO train, you can't do that. That's not the way it works, right? So I was riding the GO train the other day. And the, I don't know if they're called the conductor. I'm going to call them the conductor. The person who talks on the speakers, Attention passengers, they say. Do not touch the yellow strip. That is emergencies only. Like a medical emergency or something. They said, the firemen and the paramedics will come if you touch that strip. And if you don't, like if it's a, it's, if it's a false push, it's like a $1,000 fine. You can't play with it. He, and this is hilarious, but this is what he said. He's like, this is a train. This is not the bus. I'm thinking, man, this guy's upset. (laughs) This is a train. This is not the bus. We stop at the stations. We can't just stop anywhere you want. And Savannah, my daughter, is standing there next to me listening to this. It was hilarious. It was fantastic. Right? And she's like, there's a sign. Why can't they just read the sign? Right? And there's a huge sign. Over every one of these yellow strips, these emergency little strip buttons that you can push. 
If you have an, and a big sign, emergencies only. They've got the whole bit about the $1,000 fine. They've got the whole, I mean, it's just all right there. And what is Savannah saying? What's my daughter saying? And what's the guy on the, on the conductor on the box saying? He's saying, take heed. He's saying, pay attention. He's saying, this works a certain way. So pay attention. And God's saying the same thing right here. He's saying, oftentimes in the Christian life, we struggle because we don't really know how God gives us truth and how he leads us in truth. How does he do it? He does it like a dimmer switch. Now, they didn't have dimmer switches back then. 2,000 years ago, when the apostle Peter wrote this down by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, the word of God is like a dimmer switch. That's our vernacular. That's our technological understanding. So what did he use? He used something in the natural world. He used something in the natural world. He said this, that ye take heed as unto a light. Now, he's, not, he's, he's comparing truth to the light. We see that? He's comparing truth to the light. When someone tells us the truth, it's like, oh, now I see. Now I understand. And if someone tells us the truth from God's word and we don't understand, what should we do? I'll tell you what a lot of people do is they say, that's not true. That's not true. No, it's just right now, it's just so dim, you can't quite make out the picture just yet. Does that make sense? Again, sorry I have to do it this way, but you understand. That's completely dark. If I push it once, can you see that? Well, if you have hawk eye vision, or you paid really good money for your eyeglasses, then maybe you can see. And I just pushed the button once. But if you push it twice, oh, there's a little more. There's three times, four, five, six, seven. You know what you're doing right now is you're staring at the screen. You're giving heed. You're paying attention. Pastor, I don't understand. I've got this doubt. Am I going to heaven when I die? Well, here's what the Bible says. Yeah, I just don't get that. That doesn't bother me when people say that. Those of us who are Christians and we give the gospel to people who aren't Christians yet, don't freak out. What does that mean? Don't panic if they don't understand it right away. Did you understand it right away? Did you completely? That makes perfect sense. Yes, right now, absolutely. Let me get saved. I'm going to change everything. We can't expect people to do that. That's not fair. Hey, that's not fair. And that's not the way truth works. Because that's not what it says. When you read about people in the Gospels and in the book of Acts who got saved when they heard it, it's because they were already familiar with the scripture. Let me say that again. 
When we read of someone who hears the gospel and they get saved right then and there, it's because they'd already heard some of the Old Testament scriptures. They were already familiar with the Old Testament Bible. Okay? This is how we get saved. This is how we grow. It is on a dimmer switch. So don't panic. Don't panic. Pastor, I don't know what to do next in my life. Listen, God won't tell you how many seconds or how many days or how many hours before he hits the dimmer switch another time. He won't say, don't worry, in three days I'll hit the dimmer switch and then, and then you'll start to see more. So what do I need? Listen, what do I need between the time I hear truth and he hits the dimmer switch once and it starts to brighten up and I see a tiny, tiny bit? What do I need between time number one and number two and number three? What do I need? I need faith. I need trust. I need trust. I need to trust him. Listen, I need to trust him. It just doesn't make sense. Join the club. God doesn't expect for you to understand everything right away. You know when we're going to understand everything? You know when everything is going to become light? One day in heaven. You realize in heaven one day we're not going to need faith. When our faith becomes sight is in heaven. It's not now. So us, we need to trust God from the time he, we hear a verse or we hear a lesson. I'm going to trust him from Sunday to Wednesday, from Sunday to Sunday, from when I read the scripture in the morning till when I read the scripture the next day, from when I pray. By the way, prayer is a part of the light process. That's how we read scripture. We pray. We talk to God. Scripture is God talking to me. Prayer is me talking to God. It's a conversation. It's a conversation, right? It's a conversation. I can't have a conversation with this. It's just, a, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just a banner. How can I have a conversation with this? But I can have a conversation with God when I read this. Why? Because this is God's word. God's word is quick, meaning it's alive. God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, when I bring my heart in humility and faith to the word of God, and by the way, bring your heart of skepticism. Questions are fine, but don't bring a hard heart. You'll never, if you bring a hard heart to the word of God, all you're going to see is words. It's not going to make any sense. It's never going to make any sense. But when I bring my heart to the word of God, how does light work? How does God speaking to me work? Well, it doesn't happen like a light bulb, like you just flip the switch on. Oh my goodness. I understand everything now. You will never say that statement. That's not the way Christianity works. That's not the way walking by faith works. It doesn't work that way. Let me show you a story. John chapter nine. John chapter 9. 
So the apostle Peter doesn't use dimmer switch. What does he use? The day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. He's talking about sunrise, right? He's talking about the sun coming up. The sun doesn't come up just like ding. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Dark light. Doesn't know. It it slowly comes up, right? Every morning it slowly comes up and it slowly goes down. And that's the way God's word works in our life. John 9, verse 1. There's a lot of characters in this story. There's a lot of characters in this story. And let's see, let's just, let's just see, how does this work? Jesus is the light of the world. He says it here in just a moment. But there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of confusion in this story. And Jesus is patient. Isn't it amazing how patient he is with us? That's why we need to be patient with one another, right? Look at what it says. Uh, Chapter nine, verse one. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him saying, Master, now this is a silly question, guys. Listen, until we get light, we ask silly questions and we make silly assumptions. And his disciples asked him saying, master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Question. How can this man sin? If he was born blind. Right? Now here's the thing. They're looking at this. Catastrophe. They're looking at this. Blind man. And they're thinking man. He shouldn't be blind. Uh, there, Listen. There are a lot of people in this world. That say they're, that they, they want to claim there's no God. Because bad things happen. You heard that before? Oh, for sure, we all have. Me maybe even thought it yourself. Isn't that kind of what his disciples are asking too? They're not saying there's no God, but they're saying, what's the explanation for this bad thing? What's going on here? And to the point where they're making silly assumptions. You see, guys, listen, our light in our own reasoning is not enough. It doesn't mean we don't have light. It doesn't mean God, God has given us the light of reason. God has given us the, I heard this illustration the other day. I was reading a book and he was, the guy in the book was talking, there's a story in the Old Testament talking about the Tower of Babel. Some people call it the Tower of Babel. But it's where, it's where, it's where they go after the flood and they, they figured out how to make bricks out of straw and clay, right? And God's been doing this for forever, right? But for the first time, mankind figured out, hey, this is how you make bricks. And they're mixing the straw and the clay and they're baking them. And they're like, we've made bricks. Wow, this is amazing. And immediately what they did in their reasoning is we're going to build a tower to heaven. That's the next conclusion. You figured out how to make a brick and now you're going to climb up to heaven on your own. You're going to bypass God to get to heaven. And this 
particular statement in the book was saying that the modern day Tower of Babel is technology and science. Technology and science are amazing. I mean, look at this. I'm talking in this little tiny thingy. My voice is coming through there. You guys are hearing it nice and clear. We have electric light. Think, think, just for a moment, of a hundred years ago, if we're meeting here, even like Swansea, right? Uh, 1926, I'm looking at the bottom. Date, 1926, Ontario, Canada. What would this meeting be like if we were in 1926? Very different. The girls' dresses would be like this big, right? Now, look, social distancing was not a problem back then because the ladies' dresses were humongous, right? Big, huge hoop things. Say, Pastor, that's not the right, anyway. What was I talking about? Technology. Technology, thank you. I can always count on Garrett. Thank you, buddy. Right? So, we've discovered, we've invented. And now what do people want to say? In this modern age, believing in God was for previous generations when they didn't have science and technology. Isn't that true? That's what a lot of people try to say. That's what a lot of people try to tell us. Now we have reason. Kind of. And now we have science. Kind of. But it changes all the time. Uh, I, I heard this doctor on YouTube, which maybe he's a real doctor. I'm assuming he's a real doctor. On YouTube, you can pretty much say you're anybody. <laughs> right? And, and I didn't know this because I'm not in the medical field. And you guys are going to hear what I'm about to say and think, duh, pastor. Don't you know anything? He was trying to say if someone has a war wound and they're bleeding, you don't give them saline solution anymore. You don't put the hook them up to the IV bag. And you're thinking, what? I know. That's what he said. He's an army doctor. He's a lieutenant colonel, whatever. That's what he said. I'm thinking, that's changed? I thought that was always the first thing you did was hook him up to an IV. I don't know. That's just what he said. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. What I'm trying to say is that if we're not careful, we will try to have our own light and our own understanding and our own reason and even point to things wonderful, wonderful things like science and technology and say, we're going to bypass God and his light. We're going to bypass it. And here in our passage, there... They're coming to Jesus with their own understanding. And guys, listen, if we're ever going to get any more light and understanding in our life, we have to be willing to admit that what God tells us in his word is superior to our understanding. It is superior. It is light. It's not competition. Listen, some people never get to the point where they understand faith. They never come to believing in Christ. They never truly make success of the Christian life because they're always in competition between what they think and, and, and their reason and their understanding and God's word. The Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And let's look and see what Jesus said. We can see that right here in this passage. Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He's saying this man was born blind because of this moment right now, so that I can heal this man and people can see how awesome God is. Let me tell you something. The problems in your life, the difficulties in your life, the problems that we see are opportunities 
for God's light and the truth of his word to come into that situation, to come into that heart, to come into that life, and for that person by faith to believe that, and for the whole situation to change Every difficulty and problem is an opportunity for God to manifest himself, for God to show himself. When mankind sinned in the garden and this whole world spiritually became dark, we still have the sun. It's still out there. We still have the sun, the moon, and the stars. Those natural things are still out there. But spiritually, it got really, really dark. And God says a light will shine in the darkness. That light is Jesus Christ. That light is his truth. And when we are willing to receive it and believe it, it changes things from darkness to light. And when we see things change from darkness to light, we see that and we say, that was God that did that. That doesn't happen when you read a textbook of any other sort. That doesn't happen when you read a religious text of any other sort. That doesn't happen with any other religion. It happens when somebody looks into the, the, the law of liberty. The Bible says in the book of James, that's what it's described as, the law of liberty. And they believe the truth and their life is changed. And people say, only God can do that. I wonder if somebody has said that about your life since you've been saved. They're different. Or haven't they? They're different. They think different. They act different. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Look at verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus was physically here, he was the spiritual light of the world. And now he calls us to be that light. He is the light that lights us when we trust on him. But now Jesus tells us, you're the light of the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, he's the light of the world. Look at verse six. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Simple little tiny instruction. And again, this is weird. Guys, look, you know what, you know what stops some people from following God? Sometimes he does things that are weird. How weird. Like when you're going to heal a blind man from his blindness, you're going to spit on the ground and then take that clay from your spittle and mush it on his eyes and say, go wash in this pool of, this pool of water, like this fountain in the city. That's weird. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that if we were kind of inventing or kind of imagining a way that God would heal somebody from blindness, that's probably not the way that we would pick? Guys, it's kind of humiliating. Can we go ahead and say that? Can you imagine having a physical problem and someone goes, and goes, ah, what, what is happening? Listen, we are never, we, listen, listen very carefully. We are never going to see God do amazing things with the light of his word Jesus just said, I am the light of the world. Don't miss this. 
I am the light of the world. The words of Christ are the very words of God. Don't miss that. And his actions and his words and the spit and smush and go. In order for you to truly see the light, you have to be willing to humble yourself. So many people come to Jesus and they come to the truth of God's word and they're never willing to humble themselves. It requires humility of this man. I mean, imagine doing this nowadays. Jesus is willing to help those who are willing to humble themselves. He didn't do this. He did not do this to a man that would have gotten angry with him. And sometimes we want God to help us, but we're not willing to humble ourselves. What, what, what was the humility? I'm not going to get mad at him for doing it his way. Guys, listen, do you get angry at God for doing it his way? <laughs> You're never going to see the light. You're never going to see God do amazing things in your life and in your family. You're never going to see God answer that prayer. You're, you're never going to see the next step for your life if you demand that God does it your way. In a way that does not require humility out of me. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. We never see the light because we're so proud. <laughs> we demand God do it our way. He went his way, therefore Washington came saying. I want to make one more point. This is a big story. It takes up the whole chapter. We don't have time. So he goes to this pool of Siloam, which is like a, like a, a city fountain, right? Think of it that way. A pool of water, like a nice fountain. He goes there washes his eyes and comes out and sees. Well, everybody knows this guy. He's a local, right? So he's walking around seeing. They're like, hey, what happened to your eyes? He's like this man named Jesus. He doesn't even know him as Savior. He just knows his name. He just knows a little bit about him. That's all the light that he has. You see this? That's all the light that he has. All he knows is that his name is Jesus. This man named Jesus came up to me, spit on the ground, made some clay, smeared it on his eyes. The crowd goes, what? That's weird. He's like, I know. And, right? Honestly, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. He spit on the ground and he said, go wash and now I can see. Well, here's the problem. Jesus had a reputation. And he was stirring up trouble with the people that thought that the way to heaven was through religion. You see, this is, this is often, this is where it all starts is that we want to go to heaven the way we want to go. And it doesn't require a ton of humility because it's all about pleasing us. It pleases our parents. It pleases our culture. It pleases all the people back home. And it pleases all of my friends. But the problem is it doesn't please God. The only thing that pleases God is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross once and for all. You say, I don't understand that. It doesn't require your complete understanding. It requires you understanding and accepting it enough for you to believe it by faith. Amen. Just like this man. How is that going to work? How does your spittle and how does this clay, how does that, how does that going to work? He didn't require, he didn't require an explanation. He just required understanding of the command enough for him just to go and do it. I'm just going to go do what you tell me to do. And it was a bigger illustration. And this is how God works. And this is how God turns on the lights. And so this man now is a living illustration of God's power. 
Everybody's looking around and saying, well, it had to have been God. I mean, Satan can't do that. And here's the thing. If you came to believe in Jesus Christ, you got kicked out of the synagogue. The synagogue was like the local church or the local gathering place for all the Jews. And that's what they went for instruction. And everybody was a member. Everybody went there. Everybody knew one another. And so the big threat was like this social cost if you came to believe in Jesus. But the thing is, is that what he did to this man was undeniable. It was absolutely undeniable. I mean, everybody knew this guy. He was blind from his birth. He sat by the highway begging. Everybody knew him. How did this happen? So they asked him over and over and over again. Then they call the parents. Is this really your son? Yes, this really is our son, but we don't know how. And they're just like trying to keep a safe distance because they, hey, they're trying to keep a safe distance because really believing in Jesus has a social cost. And don't let anybody ever tell you any differently. It will cost you to trust Christ. It won't cost you your religion to get to heaven. He doesn't require your good works. He requires you be willing to trust completely in Jesus Christ. But that does go against what all of the social people say. It it, it goes against what everybody else says. If you say, I'm a Catholic, everybody's like, oh, that's cool. Everybody says, I'm I'm a Hindu. Oh, that's cool. I'm a Muslim. Oh, that's cool. I trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, are you trying to say that these other religions aren't good enough? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying I trusted Jesus Christ, and he's the only one in the history of the world that died on the cross and rose from the dead to prove that if we place our faith and trust in him, that he will also raise us up to heaven. He's the only one. Why are you a Christian? I believe the proof. What proof do you have? What proof do you have? Hey, what proof do you have? Go to the priest. Go to the guru. Go. Go and ask. What proof do you have? And go to God and ask him. And God himself will answer you through his word, by his spirit, and say, I rose from the dead. I rose from the dead. What, what, what other proof do you have? And this guy's standing there with proof. This guy's standing there with proof that Jesus has the power to work miracles. What do they do to him? You see, in order to believe, they would have to admit they were wrong. And oftentimes we don't get light in our life because we're just not willing to admit we were wrong. Humility. He says, look, all I know is that his name was Jesus and this is how my eyes got healed. I want you to look at just a few verses at the end and we'll be done. Verse 34, they answered him, they they answered and said unto him, thou wast altogether born in sins and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him out and when he had found him, he said unto him, notice, listen, Notice the dimmer switch. Don't don't miss that point. Notice how Jesus comes up to this man. And this man heard him when he said, I'm the light of the world. Now, who says that? That's not a common statement. I'm the light of the world. He heard him say that. Then he heard him say, as he's smearing the stuff in his eyes, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. He heard him say that and he just obeyed. What? He obeyed and received the light that he was given in that moment. And what happened as a result? He got more 
light. He got more light. It says, when Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him. When who had found who? When Jesus found this man. When Jesus found, listen, if you will receive the light that you do understand and you have a humble heart, God will find you and he will give you more light. The question is, are you walking in pride, insisting that you are right? Insisting that nothing changed? Insisting that there is no social cost that you're willing to pay to follow him? Are you willing to be like this poor blind man and say, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. And Jesus comes to him. Jesus finds him. Has Jesus found you yet? Has he found you? I once was blind, but now I see. That's that's a spiritual statement. In this story, it was a physical statement, but spiritually. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but Jesus found me. Did we see here? Did Jesus find him? Yeah, he found him. And they had a conversation. They had a conversation. And the conversation was very simple. Jesus asked him this question. Dost thou believe on the son of God? Do you believe on the son of God? What the man say? Verse 36, he answered and said, who is he, Lord? That I might believe on him. Isn't it interesting? He's calling Jesus Lord. He, listen, the, the honest question from a heart of humility. God never answers my questions. Is your heart proud? Insisting that you're right? Demanding Jesus prove himself to you? Or does it, is it receiving the light and humble and saying, I don't get this, Lord. You see the difference? The parents, they don't get it. The Pharisees, they didn't get it. He's getting kicked out of the synagogue. And yet here he is saying, Lord, who is he? Who is he, Lord? He believed a little, but he didn't believe all the way. What did Jesus say? Verse 37. Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him. Oh my goodness. How could he see him? (laughs) Think about that. Think about that statement. Jesus is saying, you see him. Because Jesus is the one that healed his eyes. The only reason I have any light is because he gave it to me. The only way I can get more light is if I'm willing to receive the light that he's given me. Jesus says, you see him, right? I'm sure he said this with a smile. You see him. I mean, his eyeballs have been open and seeing for what, a couple of hours? You see him. And it is he that talketh with thee. Now, here's the thing. This man had heard his voice before he ever saw him with his eyes. I am the light of the world, he says. Then he spits on the ground. Then he washes and comes see him. He heard him first. Walking in the light and living by faith is hearing him. That's where the light comes from. It's it's hearing him in your heart. Yes, it's him doing amazing things in your life. And he can answer that prayer for you through relationship. And he can do that amazing thing in your family. And he can help you at work. And he can give you guidance. 
But the light is from the heart when you hear his truth and when you hear his spirit speak to you. That's where the light is. That's what you're looking for. Too many of us are looking for big showy miracles. Look for the truth in your heart. Is your heart open? Or is it hard? And is it prideful and saying, no, it has to be this way. Last thing, verse 38, he said in him, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus came to him. He spoke the word, I am the light of the world. Why did he say that? For this man's benefit. Yes, for the disciples, but for this man's benefit. Spits on the ground, tells him, go wash. He's hearing that. His faith is building. He's thinking, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Is this guy just trying to make fun of me? But, but he had enough faith. To, hey, he had enough faith to just try it. Do you have enough faith to just try it? Do you have enough faith to just try and do what he says? To just take a little step. You see, the thing is that God doesn't despise small faith. He says, if you had a, a faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. What does he want from us? He wants us to believe enough to just try it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. He doesn't demand great faith. He demands enough faith for you just to try it. And when that happens, and we do it willing to take social costs and willing to just take him at his word, and what happens? He comes and finds us again. He comes and finds us again. And he turns the light up a little bit higher. He gives us a little bit more light. The dimmer switch comes on a little bit brighter. Who is he, Lord? He asks with questions. It's me. He's like, I believe. Wall, bright, bam, boom. Isn't that amazing? Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.